my dad would cook for him and all the guides lived in this little we called it the mouse mahal i mean it was just a little rundown shack I'm kind of an addictive person if i ever get on drugs i feel like it's over <laughs> everybody welcome back it is january the 5th coming at you with another episode here duck season has closed in the north zone of missouri it's coming to a close in the middle zone and so what better way to end that season than discuss the season that was for us answer a few questions that you guys had for ira about management and some other questions we've seen uh randomly that we've been messaged or asked about on the on the page so without further ado we'll get into it ira how's it going uh, well, you got me off of the mower. I was out mowing leaves, and uh, so I appreciate that. It's going better now that I'm not out there freezing to death. What do you guys think about that? Dude's got the grand Habitat Flats, the grand to hunt. They're shooting ducks every day, and he's out mowing leaves. Doesn't that piss you all <laughs> off? Family obligations, Joe. Family obligations. It pisses me off. Uh, you know, we got you guys have asked a lot of questions, really cool questions. We tried to get a little bit more active on our Instagram page. I have trying to ask questions that try to get some information about what you guys might like to hear and what you might be interested in that we could talk about on some of these. And um, we've got several guests that we have talked with, but with season still going on, it's tough to schedule it. And I really haven't tried because I know people are trying to duck hunt and trying to finish up and trying to goose hunt and all that. So we thought now would be a great time to take a, like a minute and just talk about some of the questions that you guys have had probably one of the most engaged our customer, our fan base or whatever listeners have been is um, when we were talking about management, you know, with specifically the area, this area uh, it intrigues some people. And then what Ira is doing on his property. And I was reading through the questions and I realized we must not have talked about things. Some of the things I thought we discussed, I don't think that we have. And it's things that I think I might take for granted that, that everyone knows just because, I'm, a, you know, a bit able to see it with my own eyes. So um, we're going to ask Ira a couple of the questions that you guys have had for him, and we'll just kind of see where that takes us. And there were some really good questions. So uh, Ira, the first one was, uh, we'll we'll get this one out of the way, was Josh Ditch. He said, how much do you want for the property, and will you take a personal check? So you yeah, can get with Josh on that one. Yeah, we can just work out a trade. I mean, you know, I'll probably kill one or two more ducks on one amount, so we could probably work something out there. 17 million duck mounts for the property. Um, okay, so here's one. Uh, this guy, Jared Borders. What's up, man? Thanks for the question. He said, hey, how many acres is your property? And how much refuge do you guys have on that property? He also asked a little bit about the um, the food situation, but there's some other ones that dive into that a little deeper. So how many acres is your property? And, and how much do you refuge of that acreage? So uh, Locust Grove, which is our our original uh, duck hunting piece that we bought back in 2005, it's 420 acres, and out of that 420, historically we've we've refuged probably about oh, it'd be over 200, probably probably about 250 acres. But this year we actually ended up really refuging some of the stuff that we normally hunt just because we were getting them on the edges on, you know, we kind of hunt the north and west side of our property. And, uh, and so really we ended up refuging more than that. It was probably closer to 300 acres because we didn't hunt north two, what we call north two or north three that are normally hunting pools. So, but let's just say it's 250 acres out of that, that 420. And when we say refuge, we mean, we don't drive down there. We don't walk down there. If it's still, we don't, we try not to shoot that direction. Um, and so it really is a, a refuge in the truest form of the, of, of the, the meaning of it, meaning that we don't let them see or hear a person. And then we have two other tracks. We have one track uh, just to the east of Locust Grove called Locust Branch. It's 160 acres. And we hunt that whole farm. It's got uh, four timber holes and, and a WRP track that goes through it. Um, that whole farm we hunt. And then our neighbors that we own that with, they own 200 acres east of that. And they've made that whole 200 acres into refuge. So if you put it all together, you know, we've got a 
about 800 and something acres there that are contiguous that we manage as one. And out of that 800 and something acres, about 450 of that is refuge. And, and then, you know, so that's what we do on our place, but we also have Fountain Grove's East Refuge, which is close and to our Northwest just a little bit. So he hit on this, but I want to like, ex- like explain this more for like further just a little bit more on the refuge like when he said so he said it's a refuge that means that means you don't not only do you not hunt that refuge but you don't drive by it you don't drive in it you don't drive down the sides of it so their refuge on the main farm is a south portion of the farm so that means you turn around when you get near the north part of the refuge you don't even go near it really there's a buffer of old hunting pools that i guess are now part of the refuge but you don't go near it you don't drive on the levee around it, you you know, and so that's honestly a it's a kind of a commitment to make. One, you got to commit to not hunting it whenever it's loaded, and when you're sitting there and the days are slow and it's the ducks sound like you know it sound like a freight train down there. Just you know, there might be there's tens of thousands of ducks on it, and when you got to listen to that and stuff, if you don't have your head on straight and you don't have your mind locked on what you're doing, you could really easily want to go hunt that and be like, man, it's been tough. We're gonna go do it. They don't hunt it. And another thing you got to understand is you do all this work and all this work and you don't get to drive down there and look at it. You don't get to drive through it. You don't get to walk through it and see the ducks blow up and, you know, tens and twenties and thirties of thousands of ducks down in there. You know, that would be something that would be fun to, I mean, fun to drive around the levee and look at them out in there and all that. They don't do any of that. So um, the only time uh, for my knowledge, other than when an Eagle gets a lot of the ducks up when Ira would see it is if like, we took the drone over it or something like that at a high at a high distance to kind of evaluate where they are and and where they're hitting food and what's left. That'd be to make decisions for the next year, you know, where to try to get food and things. And so um when you when you designate an area as a refuge, if you're gonna do it right and get the maximum benefit, not only can you not hunt it, you can't go near it. You can't step foot on it. So I would be willing to bet, Ira, you probably haven't what? You probably haven't gone down there now since since well before the season. Well, every year you have to go in there a couple of times, uh, and I try to sneak in and and do as little disturbance as I can. But but I do have to go in there every once in a while to adjust a, a tube or check a tube if something doesn't seem like it's you know something doesn't seem quite right. I'll just have to go in there and kind of check the infrastructure, or maybe uh, you know move something or or put a board somewhere, or add a board or or you know push a pipe up or down, but. I probably have to go into a portion of it, you know, maybe a half a dozen times a year just briefly to to do some water management, stuff like that. And, you know, it's not a big deal. They just kind of push over. But, you know, if you went in there and started blazing, uh, boy, that would be chaotic for a little bit. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, it's just crazy when you think about it. And, and, and you all also don't run rangers through it. Like, you know – you're not out just taking a drive through and like Aaron, you know, Ira's brother, he bought an electric ranger this year. Uh, and that thing was crazy riding on it. And, and not that he still goes through the refuge, but he doesn't, but even getting to the hunting pool, it's just so quiet and so minimalizes your intrusion. And, and, you know, if you hunt a spot, like a lot of times one of their better spots, you'd hunt it in the afternoons and then it would start filling up with ducks. Well, when you went to leave after you got your stuff picked up and all that, you'd go past it and you'd bump a few ducks up, you know, it'd be dark, but you'd be driving right past them. Well, you know, now with that electric ranger, you zip right past them. They don't even know you're there. You know, it's just sounds like a golf cart. It's really weird, but um, it's kind of cool the to the level that which they've taken that. And so I, I would say that the ref, you know, I'll make some statements, but I would say that that refuge is obviously very, very important to their property, but it's very important to the area and it's important to the public area as well. So it's kind of cool how, um, it's kind of cool how a private refuge and making the decision to utilize that part of your property for that use um, can affect an area. So that's a good question. Um, okay, Ira, here you go. Keenan Bear. Keenan Bear said, if you were to estimate what is a duck count on this property throughout the year, how do you decide which areas of the property to rest throughout the season? So I'll I'll say he's asking like where the refuge is on that second part of that question, but how many ducks do you think use the property? And you can go with the, what you think a peak number is because it'd be hard to tell, obviously, what's in and out. But but give us an estimate uh, in your opinion. I mean, it is hard to say. There's a lot There's a lot of ducks there. And, of course, the number 
gets higher and lower. Um, I, we had our most ducks at the beginning of the season this year. I mean, the place was just jammed. And I don't know when DU was hunting. We certainly were were not at our peak on numbers, uh, but they got a good a good uh, kind of inventory with their drone when they were flying it. And I don't know, man. I, I hate to even guess, but I, I I would guess that we average around. I would guess around twenty five thousand ducks. On, so I, was, on, I was just gonna say twenty five. I mean, you know, just on Locust Grove. Um, and then the locust branch will have some too. And of course they go back and forth, but, but I'd say that, and next year we're planning on finding out because I'm going to buy a drone and next year and, and do a you know, weekly flight and, uh, try to get a, a better inventory or more accurate inventory on stuff, but it's quite a few and, uh, it, it can be a little frustrating like Joe had on when you're sitting there and there's not a duck in the sky. And, uh, man, they're just quacking all, all around you, you know, it's, uh, it's cool, but it can be a little, a little frustrating also. One thing is when you have them, you're always in the game. You know, if you have a bunch of ducks, even if they're quote unquote, not flying, there might be a few that, that screw up and do, and, you know, there might be some coming to check it out from other areas or something, you know, if something gets bumped off a neighboring property, they're going to come look, you know, there first. And, uh, so, but there's been many times whenever it's been a full moon or whatever and they're real nocturnal or they're just not flying and uh we'll sit there and have a good conversation and you know i'm not saying it's typical to go there and not kill anything but there's been hunts where you know you just go and have fun and and uh you listen to the roar and you know that's the end of it so um you got to be willing to do that and me personally um i think it's cool because you're always in the game. And one thing about a refuge, having that refuge and having the farm set up like that, if you have one bad day or one bad morning, it's very rare that you would have two in a row or a bad morning and a bad afternoon in a row. So um, it's definitely worth the trade off of, of having some, having them there and listening to them. If you don't kill them, cause you, you can usually get them next time. Um, okay. Well, Joe, let's let's rest of his question because it sounded like he was asking if we move the refuge around or how we manage oh, okay, our hunting. Okay, yeah, hit on that. Where, yeah, so your refuge, yeah, do, do you – there's a couple – one reason I didn't go deeper is because there's a few people that ask some more pointed questions about that. But, yeah, go ahead and hit on that. Well, I'll just – you know, the, our refuge is set up, and it was set up from the beginning to be the portion of the farm that is the furthest removed from the access point so, you know, we, we, our ingress, egress, the one that we use is on the north side of our property. So we made a refuge on the south side of the property so that we won't, we don't have to drive past anything uh, in our, in our hunting comings and goings. But also, you know, Fountain Grove's east refuge is, is north of us. So it made sense to put our refuge in between so that our hunting was in between our refuge and the public refuge so that's why it's on the south end and it always stays there and uh for us we we hunt the portions that we hunt you can hunt them whenever you want you can hunt them in the mornings you can hunt them in the afternoon uh whatever but but obviously like we touched on before we we don't go down and and hunt our refuge that said and it may come back around later there is one exception to us never hunting our refuge and it hasn't happened in the past two or three years, but there are times where we get super cold during the season and, you know, Lopes Grove's WRP. Well, those ducks can only keep that water open for so long to to a certain temperature and they have to leave it. They can't keep it open. So there are times, and, and not every year, but there are times where our whole place freezes solid and all the ducks have to leave because the habitat is just, to, you know, they just can't keep that WRP open and they all go to the river and they go other places, but they'll come back to check that frozen stuff every afternoon. So we'll open up a hole there and, uh, man, just get the, the ones that are trickling back to look and they do it every afternoon, even if it's cold and you can have some unbelievable hunts with ducks coming from wherever they're, they've gone to. And they'll come and they're looking and, and you've got to open hole there. And man, they just dive right in. And I mean, you might have, you know, three, five, seven days of incredible hunting and there's no habitat available for them. So there's no reason to not hunt it. 
And then when it warms back up and things start to thaw out, we get right back out of there and let them just get right back in there. And they never even knew that we were there. And let me hit, let me hit on that too. There's a lot of guys that, uh, there's a lot of guys that I see commenting about the use of ice eaters and its effect on hunting and habitat and holding ducks guys. Ice. So Ira's got a 200 and what he did ever, he said, let's say 250 acres of refuge. When it freezes up, gets subatomic cold, and everything leaves it for a few days, and in five days when it starts warming back up, there's three inches of ice on everything. There's no ducks sitting on anything. Ira goes and puts an ice eater in for a hunting hole for when they come back and check on it. The ice eater keeps something open as big as your living room. So, and they're not living on it. When you get a hole open, they it's nothing that they can utilize and live on. An ice eater does not open up water at a big enough scale to hold ducks for an extended period of time. And I might be speaking general, but I'm not, I hate to say things as fact, but that is a fact. When it gets as cold as what it takes to move ducks and displace ducks, an ice eater is not going to keep open a large scale portion of water. Ira, would you agree with that? You could have a hundred ice eaters and it would not affect the migration one iota at all. Right. So I don't right. know I where that's come from. We'd, well, it's just we simply use them as little open water to hunt over, but it's nothing that anything would be living in. Well, it's it's something that's easy to say, and, and you know, it's just like I talk about stuff, you know, and you mention things sometimes that maybe you haven't seen with your eyes, so you don't understand. But you know, a lot of guys have never seen an ice eater in southern states where they don't get thick ice and they don't want to invest in an ice eater for one day every three years, and I get that. But but an ice eater, I mean. To open up a hunting hole, I put an ice eater in this morning for hunting Canada geese. And to open up a hole big enough to even get my 30 decoys in that I want to use when I go to hunt, I have to turn that ice eater three or four or five times to open that hole up. You know, if you leave, if you just put an ice eater in thick ice and let it go, you'll come back with a hole the size of a suitcase. So, you know, I wish, I truly wish it was flip a switch and turn your whole place into liquid. But unfortunately, uh, that that is not the case. And if it were... uh I would hunt a lot more days than what I do. Um, but just want the people that are making those comments, that would be uh, about the same as me telling a rice farmer in Louisiana how he ought to be managing his ground to raise crawfish. Yeah, that that would that is correct. Um, I've never raised fish. Ex well, especially yeah, especially if you say, well, what you got? Yeah, what you got to do is this, this, and that. Well, really, because you've never even seen that in action. Um, Todd McGee asked this question. Um, he said, I like to hear about the neighboring hunting, hunting pressure that you have and if that's an issue. And there's a few people that commented that. And so you guys, obviously, we've all can think of the, oh, so-and-so's got an awesome farm, so everybody crowds in around it. When I was doing some work at Lee and Tiffany Lukoski's place, he was talking about that. You know, they got a big farm, and every 40- or 80-acre landowner on the edge just tries to get as close as they can and and – you know, parlay some of their efforts into their success, which is a free country and you'd be dumb not to try it. But um, there's a few things about your farm, Ira, that kind of makes it nice as far as insulating yourself from pressure. So kind of hit on that. Well, I mean, a lot of the, most of the stuff that's around us is kind of woods, really. And, uh, um, you know, we, there's really, you know, we've got a neighbor to the south that has a duck hole right there, and they hunt it occasionally, and, you know, they shoot some ducks, and that's great and fine, and um, there's another one on the west side of our property, and, you know, we never really had anyone crowding us until, I think it was last year, wasn't it, Joe? And yeah. Opening day, all of a sudden, boom, I mean, right behind our blind, we're like, what in the world is going on? And these kids had pumped up a little hole just, like, right behind one of the main blinds that we hunt. And uh, one of the other guys that hunts there, after the season was over, he called and he apologized to me that those kids were hunting right there. And I was like, man, I mean, I mean, it's not a big deal. You know, it's not our property. Um, it's their grandpa's property. And if I was those kids, I'd probably be doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, it's there's really not much of that. I mean, all our neighbors are are good and have their own spots and you know there's plenty of ducks in the area so we really don't have any pressure with people like crowding up against us or disturbing what we have going on or anything like that you know it's just a resource that's there and in my mind you know the more little refuges and safe spots that we can have for a duck the the 
fresher the ducks stay and more that they they move around um kind of like in a flood year when they have lots of water and lots of places to go and and lots of little corners and spots where they can be unpressured they just seem like they stay fresh a lot longer well let, let me also say that yeah while people while they have good neighbors and guys that um guys that do what's you know they don't bother their property which is awesome for the most part um it, it also helps that you guys are bordered by locust creek that you know is keeping people from getting too close and then they've also got they share a border with uh the conservation area so uh folks can't really get you, you know it's it, their folks are good the neighbors are good neighbors but if it was a wild wild west all around them you know people would crowd it more than what they do but the fact that you know the 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 area borders you in a couple spots has to help with that too and the fact that your east border is somebody your partner's with and then north of them is somebody else your partner's with on another hole. So, you know, that, that's gotta yeah. be helpful. And the other things, I mean, I guess, you know, we're, we're familiar with the area, but just, you know, let's say if it was all rice fields and, and there were all rice fields and huntable property that was like right next to you and, and no uh, big visual barriers like levees and trees and all that, I could see where, you know, someone might put a pit right next to, the edge of what you thought was your refuge, but it's where we are. It's not like that at all. Um, there's lots of big visual barriers, uh, big levees, lots of trees. And like I said, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, stuff around us is all wooded and it's pretty big track. So it's not like we've got other people with a rice field or a cornfield or whatever that's right next to ours. Um, and we're all just kind of hunting shoulder to shoulder by any means. No, it's it's cool how they have it set up. Uh, it really is. I I would like to have that set up at my place where, you know, it's just the way your place sets up and how big it is insulates you from a lot of that shit, which is awesome. Um, okay, here's one that, let me see here. Hunter Parrish said, how do you manage hunting pressure on your property? How many birds do you kill on an average season? That's probably a tough question to answer as far as just how it is, but how do you manage hunting pressure days on and off as well as where to hunt? So we've, we've addressed the refuge on the where to hunt. And then also though, the refuge kind of plays a part in allowing you to hunt the other stuff more. But um, Ira, do you guys ever do rest days, planned rest days, or do you let your refuge take care of that? Yeah, no, we, we, you know, our season 60 straight, the only day that we would have a rest day would be if no one could go hunting. So, you know, we'll hunt mornings, we'll hunt afternoons, obviously not in the same day, but I'm just saying like, if it's cold, we tend to hunt in the afternoons. If it's a full moon, a lot of times we'll hunt midday. Um, you know, if the ducks are flying good in the morning, we have good conditions in the morning. Obviously we're going to go in the morning, but we don't, our pressure management is by having spots that we hunt and spots that are refuge, not times or days that we hunt. And guys, think of this too. You know, a lot of us think about hitting a property. You know, we think in our mind about we've got a, a small property or whatever, or a property and a pond or whatever it is. A lot of spots can't sustain daily, absolute daily piss pounding. You know, they just can't because you can't you can't let ducks get on your property and go find them and shoot them. And then when you go see where they're at the next day, go find them and shoot them and go find them and shoot them and find them and shoot them and, shoot them and get right in amongst them and shoot them you got to have an amazing property to be able to do that every day. And and I don't care how good it is. Pressure takes a toll. What these guys are doing a lot of is traffic hunting. Now they'll go and hunt their pool. They let their pools rest on several certain days. You know, like there'll be, Hey, there's a bunch of ducks going over here or there. We're going to let them get in there good. And then we'll go get them. But when they hunt every day, a lot of their hunting is traffic type hunting. When I say that it's the ducks, like Ira said, going from his own refuge up to different moist soil tracks, different corn tracks, different uh, state areas. They're under a lot of ducks that are just coming and going to different places. So they're able to hunt a lot of days hunting traffic, not pressuring where the ducks want to go, but tricking the ducks to coming to them, not necessarily just piss pounding one spot over and over and over and over. They might hunt 20 spots within their hunting area. And that's a big hunting area. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and then, you know, I touched on it before, but I'll say it again, like, even in some of our hunting pools, let's say that we've got a bunch of them in there, and it's on the north side of the refuge, well, just because they're in there, we're not going to go hunt them if there's no wind, or if there's a north wind, we'll wait until we have a big south wind, 
and then we'll go in there and do a soft bump on them and you know midday and shoot some of the ones that are coming back and the birds that are on the refuge can't you know we don't affect them at all because the wind's out of the south and we're shooting north and it just doesn't phase them whereas if we went in there let's say on a morning where the wind was going to start blowing out of the south at 10 but there was really no wind off the bat man it's very disruptive to go in there and bang them up with no wind um, or even a slight north breeze or whatever it really phases them a whole lot more than if you just wait for the right weather to go in there and, and shoot them that way um okay absolutely and that's things that so but i just want to make sure that guys understand that when you're saying you hunt every day, guys, it's just the way it's just a different deal than what most of us are used to. And if, you know, that, so with Iris saying he hunts every day, you know, just take and count your situation. If you've got, you know, four to 700 acres that you can refuge a big part of, then you can hunt every day too and expect good hunts. But if you've got a smaller spot, pressure management is key. And Iris had spots before where you can't hunt every day and it just kind of depends on how your place is. Um, well, let's just talk alternate option because, you know, the other thing we could do would be to say, okay, we're going to hunt the whole 420 acres, um, but we're going to hunt it on a management plan, uh, whether that's we're going to hunt this part once every five days or we're going to hunt the south end when it's a, a north wind and the north end when it's south wind. But our philosophy is that if we did it that way, granted, um, we'd be giving the ducks a, a lot of ground to rest, but it's not consistent. So we, we feel like our success would be poor if we hunted the whole 420 acres on a managed type deal than, uh, than if we have a safe spot and then a hunting spot and, and just leave that part for them and take this part for us. Hell yeah. Um, uh, this guy, Joe. I mean, I don't want to talk about total numbers, but but I do think it's fair to talk about you know the the quality of the hunt in in the terms of birds per man. And like this year was probably our best ever birds per man, I would guess. Um, part of that's because we had so many non mallards for so much of the season, and so you know we shoot have a chance to shoot six ducks instead of just four, um, but. You know, I, I think, I, and I haven't done the math, but I'm sure that our birds per man was was right around five or a little bit over it. I would say. Um, I know I got my six a couple times hunting there uh, because that's the thing about that property. We all think about mallards, and, you know, obviously that's what I'm interested in mostly. But very, very rare that you would go to Locust Grove and not have a chance at some off ducks, if not all of your off ducks, and if not – multiple species of off ducks or trophy off ducks either teal a lot of wood ducks wouldn't you say that yeah we've never shot as many gadwalls as we did this year um you know i'd say usually in a year we're shooting gosh not very many you know maybe less than 50 50 gadwalls and this year man we shot a lot of gadwalls i i've not added up all the species uh uh, totals yet for this year but man we shot way more gadwalls than we normally do they shoot a lot of pintails too it seems like a lot of pintails so a lot of you guys probably don't get to shoot very many pintails i know i don't um shot a couple at my place this year and shot i think hunted my day you know my spot pretty much or well, most days and killed two pintails or three hunt theirs four days and killed four pintails um okay this guy was asking, do you rotate the refuge location every year? No. And he said, he said, I have a lot of public land and I've always thought that birds already know where the refuge is because it's never adjusted, but maybe I'm giving the ducks too much credit. Let me say that, you know, I don't think, you know, I hear people say that all the time, you know, well, the ducks know where the refuge is. They need to change up where the refuge is. The whole point of the refuge is, in my opinion, for the ducks to know where it is, know where they're safe and have that safe space. I don't want to, I want to keep the ducks guessing with weather and how I'm hunting. I don't want to keep the ducks guessing of where they know that they can be safe because we have to have that to maintain the duck population, the vitality of our area for, for throughout the years and throughout the decades. That's my opinion. That's why whenever you see 
people switch a refuge on a public area. Like some of our buddies are dealing with now. Some of these refuges just up and these areas just up and switch where they're, where the refuge is that's historically been there. I'm no duck biologist. So maybe that works sometimes, but I also know sometimes it doesn't work and it really screws up the program and ducks vacate that area. So Ira, you can hit on that too, but I, I mean, I, I think a refuge, it's important for the ducks to know where that refuge is. Yeah. So this year is no exception, but every opening day, you know, opening day is chaos and it's basically typically just a glorified pass shoot. Um, but the ducks are kind of scattered all over the landscape, you know, wherever there's habitat, they're opportunists. But when those guns start going off, you can sit there and watch those ducks and who knows where all they're coming from all the different places around that have habitat. And of course, 99% of that's getting hunted or not 99%, but a lot. And uh, you can watch them and they know exactly where they're going. They're going straight to our refuge. Like even if we didn't hunt the, the portions that we hunt that day, let's say we didn't hunt opening day, all those ducks that were feeling the pressure from all the other places would go straight to the place not all of them, but the majority of them, they re they remember where their safe spot is and they will go to our refuge and not just go to our hunting pools and, and wherever else. For sure. Um, here's one. Uh, this gentleman, uh, he is asking about the process of blueprinting the property. So that can mean a couple of things, I guess, but he's goes on to ask about building, excavating, setting up the plan, plan, of management and how the property's laid out. He said he's working on a property that he's transforming, but he feels like he doesn't know that he has a good roadmap from A to B to get where he's at. And Ira, you can hit on that, but I'll say this. If you're sitting there kind of thinking that, I'm sure Ira's felt that way too, because their property has been a slow, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's taken shape and been awesome quick and it's always been good hunting. But it's it's made a throughout the last decade an incredible transformation, and they've done a lot of projects each and every year that you know you can't do it all at once. So I would say that your property is has been a work in progress. You know, it's it's been a success every year, but it's also a work in progress. And some of the new stuff you guys develop and do um, has really been cool to watch. So um, kind of talk, I guess, about the transformation of your property briefly, and kind of how you see that going. Well, like when we bought this track back in 2005, it was it was just straight ag, so it was a uh, uh, not great farm ground, you know, real real low, difficult to uh, get things in and out, and hot, you know, high risk for flooding. Um, and so it's really cool, you know, over the past almost 20 years, now it's got so much more character. There's lots of trees, lots of buck brush. Um, and you know it also is not flat it's got quite a bit of topography um both up and down and then and then slope as well so i think every different tract you know there is no one prescription is going to work for anywhere because every piece of ground lays differently drains differently um is at different elevations and all that so you know the things that work at locust grove some of those things may work better for somebody else that, that we don't have great success with and uh, other things that that other people have great success with may not work so well for us so i think you just have to you know utilize the resources that you have at your disposal um which here in missouri we're especially locally where we are we're very fortunate to have wonderful knowledgeable people to work with and learn from and, and be partners with um and uh you know get into it and do what makes sense and then see what's not working and modify things as you need to um as, as you go down that path of of uh, figuring out what's going on with a particular piece of property once you put water on it and see what the ducks do that's a big part of it um let's see here oh this is going to be one that i know what your answer is going to be but uh, what are your thoughts on making a lap around your duck habitat to stir up the birds before setting decoys? Could it give your spread an edge by avoiding competition with large groups of live birds, or do you prefer holding said birds close? Yeah, we we don't try to disturb them. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to disturb them um, when you go in and out of an area. 
but but we don't try to bump them up or rally them at all so that so that they're further away or that they're moving or whatever so yeah we don't do don't do any of that at all um we try to have as little disturbances as possible but, but i do want to hit on something that i really noticed this year that was super interesting to me um you know we had better visual cover this year than we do a lot of years and uh what I'd notice, I'd sneak into a little spot, and there'd be ducks all around me, and there'd be shooting close. Or I could even get in there, get set up, and there'd be ducks near me, and I could shoot, and those ducks would not react. But if I hit a decoy weight on the side of my boat, or if I talked and, and my voice was loud, those ducks would flush like that. But gunshots really wouldn't disturb them unless you were shooting their direction. So it's kind of interesting. I guess the duck's so used to hearing gunshots unless they're, you know, unless it's real still and it's a barrage that, you know, is kind of going towards them. They're pretty tolerable gunshots, but things that they aren't used to, like voices or, you know, just odd noises, man, they don't tolerate that stuff very much, even if it's not that loud. It was really interesting to me. Good point, sir. Uh, this person asks your entire property in WRP. Yes, that whole 800-whatever acres is all WRP. Um, Let's see here. This guy asked how many... It, I mean, not the woods. Yeah, yeah. This guy just asked how many. How much do you manage... How do you manage the huge numbers of ducks on the farm? And it must be hard to not educate all the ducks when you hunt. They definitely have a PhD in survival before they arrive in South Louisiana. Um, this is this goes to how Iris farms set up. And honestly, I've seen a lot of farms that have refuges on them. Locust Grove might set up one of the best I've seen just because you can do everything you need to do hunting wise and never get near that refuge. And it's kind of, the refuge is kind of remote away from the road and everything. So, you know, mother nature and location have helped dictate where that refuge is obviously. And they do a good job of staying away from it. It makes a big difference. Well, the other thing that's changed over time that's made a bigger difference is that we've got so much more woody cover, shrub, scrub stuff that just, you know, if a duck can't see you, you can get away with doing a whole lot more things. But if they can see you, even from a distance, <clears throat> they don't like that. Um, and and they'll it'll bump them. So, uh, you know, if you, can, if you can keep them from seeing you, that that's very helpful. A, um, a small... The first part of that joke? The the first part, the first? Uh, the first part he asked. Um, hold on just a second. How do you manage huge numbers of ducks on the farm? Like I think what he was asking was like, if you have that many ducks, how do you how do you hunt without educating them all? Oh well, yeah. I mean, you you know, a duck's going to get stale if you don't get any turnovers. So this year was a great example. Gosh, we had the same ducks for honestly almost until the very end of the season. Um, we lost a lot of the little ducks and I don't know that we ever really gained any mallards. If so, it was not very many at all. And, um, so they get tough. I mean, they get stale, they get nocturnal, they get smart, but you know, if you've got a bunch of them right there, it's kind of like when we were talking with Keith Allen the other day, even if they're smart and they're, they've figured out what a decoy is and they know where you've been hunting and they, they're, you know, they're shy of call and they're shy of everything else. If you got enough of them around you, you're probably going to kill them in spite of all your efforts to scare them away with decoys and calling and motion and everything else. So, yeah, we we struggled just like everybody else when when the ducks have been around for a long time and they're smart. But hopefully, there's enough enough of the trickle and enough dumb ones that uh, that we can we can look into a few of them. Uh, we had a message about. Well, I've had a bunch of people send us the some of the talks and podcasts and discussions that are going around about duck hunting and some of the doom and gloom and all the things that folks are saying and um so we don't have to go for a long time on that but we at least need to touch on it to summarize the questions i've gotten on that folks are asking both of us whether we feel like w there is no ducks and you know the they're hearing people say that there are no ducks and where are the ducks and um i've got an opinion on that obviously just based on nothing more than what I see with my own eyes. That's all I can, that's all I can 
really speak on of what I've seen in around me and in my travels. Um, but the, the picture that a lot of folks are painting about the number of ducks and how there just simply are no ducks here, there, and everywhere. There's no ducks in Missouri. I've, I've heard I, that one of my jaw hit the floor there guys that I respect and guys that I thought knew better than that said that there's no ducks in Missouri whatsoever. Um, that one blew my mind. Um, so there's a lot of things being said that just simply I don't agree with some things that maybe I don't know, but some things that I just simply don't agree with. And I'm sure you've heard these comments and conversations, Ira. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important that we all remember that it's human nature to extrapolate what we see in our little bitty blip on the radar screen to everywhere. So, you know, I think it's easy if you're having a good season to say, man, there's tons of ducks. Everybody's having a great season. Or if you're not seeing many, you're, you're thinking there's no, you know, it's easy to have a knee jerk reaction. There are no ducks. These are paper ducks, but I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but it would be like me. This is January 5th. We normally get pretty good huntable numbers of Canada geese by December 15th. I haven't seen a hundred Canada geese in the past three weeks. And trust me, I've been looking and normally they're flying over my office all day, every day. They're all around my, my house. They're in town. So that would be like me saying there are no Canada geese because I haven't seen any this year. And normally I see a bunch, right? Well, I believe that there are lots of Canada geese, but I also know that it's been unseasonably mild and they're just not here. And, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the total population is this year, but I do know that just based on what I've always seen, um, we didn't get a lot of the birds, including the late migration of, of snow geese and speckabellies that we normally get, that usually get here December 1st. They never showed up, um, at least not, not around summer. And normally we have hundreds of thousands of them in December. And uh, so, you know, I mean, there's still, there's still a lot of birds that, that did not make it to us by Christmas this year. And uh, I hope that we get some weather and things get better for the people that are still hunting. But, uh, you know, last year, we the, the weather was a little more normal and you didn't hear much in the way of doom and gloom. There was a lot less bitching and moaning and complaining. And we've had a mild, very extremely mild fall. And all of a sudden, there's no ducks again. So there's no Canada geese, according to Ira. And there's no ducks, according to a whole lot of people. The, the thing that I... The thing that I think that, especially with social media, that we got to be careful of when we make these statements, though, is there's no ducks. And and people that maybe don't get the opportunity to get out as much as what maybe Ira or I or or a lot of you guys do, you don't know. I mean, okay, they don't know. Oh, well, we got out three days and we didn't see much either. And hell, actually, guys, come to think of it, it wasn't just a bad day. There's actually no ducks is what we're hearing from a lot of people in the hunting industry and in the, in in different hunting circles and and people that are, you know, selling products and, and some, and some that just have opinions that are, have a big following in the industry. Um, that is really tough because unless you know, for certain what you're talking about, it's tough to say that there are no ducks. I mean, that, that can be pretty dangerous and that can snowball pretty quick. I'll just tell you from my point of view and, and this point of view is when I say a point of view, I mean what I'm seeing with my eyes. I had a pretty tough year this year, a lot tougher than I normally do had some really good days and I had a lot of really bad days. Um, I border a national wildlife refuge. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, there are plenty of ducks, plenty of ducks in this area. And there were all year. And we got the ducks around Halloween. November was awesome. It was awesome hunting. I was deer hunting the entire no month of November. The, Later season, the ducks that we had, we still retained, and they were still there. And when I say they're still there, I mean they're right across the levee from our farm, and I can hear them. I can see them. There's thousands and thousands and tens of thousands. It's not that they are not there, and it's also not that they're not flying. I saw ducks every hunt, a lot of ducks, thousands of ducks on every single hunt. But a lot of them were stale. A lot of them have been there a long time. I had to work and work, and, and the traffic game was hard this year. Those of you who talk about a tough population and a, and a tough hatch, 
you know, I, I firmly believe that younger ducks are our bread and butter in getting the traffic train started and big bunches when we're hunting traffic. And, you know, those old, smart, veteran ducks are tougher to traffic, especially on tough conditions with no weather. So a lot of things can be true. I could have a tough season. There can be a lot of ducks. And there can also not be much change in our duck population from and by way of migration, because there's still a ton of ducks in Canada. If you talk with folks, there's a bunch of ducks in Canada. There's no, there's no snow on the ground. There's a bunch of ducks in the upper United States. Those ducks are usually here and into Arkansas and then, and, and on further South right now, they're not. And I can tell you guys, when you drive around Sumner and I did today where I drive around Swan Lake, look with your eyes. I invite anybody to do it. Drive around on the road. You, you don't have to get off the road, drive on the road, bring a pair of binoculars and look where all the ducks are sitting. There's ice on, there's ice on everything right now. 80% of the farms that had flooded corn on it are completely, the boards are pulled. There's not one stitch of water in most of the flooded corn units around here. None. And look where the ducks are sitting at. They're still here. They're sitting in bean fields. They're sitting in moist soil. They're sitting in open water. They've got ice holes and and, and they're they're trafficking around. They're, they're working dry fields. They're, they're here. We've got plenty of them. They're not moving. So I, I think some of these ducks are going to go north. It's so late in the season. I was talking to Jim Ronquist yesterday. He said, I think a lot of the ducks we won't ever see down here because I think they're going to push back up north just because of how late it's getting. And a lot of them are never going to get down to us here in Missouri. But but there is a lot, a lot, a lot of ducks in Missouri. And for somebody to say there's no ducks, it's just frustrating because there there are a lot of ducks in Missouri. It's just been unfavorable conditions, and it might not have been – I wouldn't, might not have been able to kill as many as I wanted, but I'm not going to blame the – you know, say that they don't exist. They do. They might not have existed on my strap, but they're here. Yeah, there there were a lot of ducks this year. Um, they came early. You know, the opener – the opening couple weeks were really good for pretty much everybody, and then things got stale. And I will say this, uh, an observation for me – and us this year was that we we had a lot of mallards, but the mallards were very nocturnal. Um, and it was, you know, we, we killed a lot of ducks and we killed a lot of mallards, but it was not memorable mallard hunting at all. So most of the, and what I mean by that is most of the mallards that we were killing were singles or pairs or a four pack. I mean, 10 was a big number. And to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but my interpretation of that is that A, those ducks have been here for a while, and B, there weren't that many young ones like you touched on. Um, you know, last year we had a lot of nice mallard bunches, and this year, man, you might start off with 40, and you might lose them all, or you might have uh, a single or four come in or whatever, and you know, part of that was just because we never got that second push either until late, and, and I was already home. But, you know, there around Christmas, uh, everybody suddenly started having fresh ducks and, and bunches that were doing it to the drink. And, and that was what – that was the turnover that we'd been waiting on for since veteran – including Veterans Day. So, Halloween. you know, the, was, yeah, the mallard hunting was tough, but but it's not because we didn't have ducks. Guys, I'm telling you – and I know this is hard for people to fathom and they don't believe it. And they think these are made up numbers. They might be made up on the low end in some of these areas. I mean, some of the counts that we heard from the biologists we talked with that maybe flew some private stuff and flew some several private landowners and more updated counts than what were even posted. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of ducks this year in this area. And, you know, there was a lot of ducks. I just, there's just a lot of factors that go into it, but when it's a mild year and they don't need to migrate and I'll tell you what, if you're going to blame anything, if you're going to blame anything on holding ducks. And like I said, you can look around, you can listen to what Iris telling you. He's, he's a great sample size of our area, but guess where Iris holding all of his ducks at in, in moist soil. And, you know, I would be willing to say that most of the ducks you shot were in a moist soil habitat. I would say most, you know, it, it's just, it's a mild year. It's an interesting year, but there was a lot, a lot of ducks. Now I'll say again, I didn't have the best luck with them. It's easy to get frustrated, easy to get pissed off, but I got to be honest with myself and say, all right, I went on a hunt today. I didn't kill shit. Do I not know what I'm doing? That's one option. 
and that's a very possible, a good possibility. I can be a dumbass at times. So that's one thing. Or so, so do I not know? We all need to ask ourselves this question. When I went on this hunt and didn't have good luck, was it something that I did? Good chance of it. If I do the same thing and kill them and then do the same thing and it doesn't work, then maybe it was the weather. A lot of guys don't factor the weather and the conditions into it. I know I didn't used to till I got more tuned in with what was going on when I was a younger, newer hunter. I just went hunting when I could hunt. I don't know why they're not working. Well, maybe one day it was sunny and 20 mile an hour wind, and one day it was cloudy and two mile an hour wind. I really didn't know what the difference was. And a lot of us don't at some point in our hunting careers take that into consideration. But we might not know, but we can always bitch. So there's a lot of things we got to consider about our hunts. And sometimes we just got to turn, come to the terms of the fact that, Hey man, I can't just go to my spot and shoot him every day, even though I want to. And sometimes I can, there's a lot of days that you might not be able to, or some tough stretches. Like there's some tough stretches where I'd hunt my place three, four days in a row and kill either nothing or pretty close to it. Okay. I need to go out and find some, I need to go out and, you know, just because you have a spot and you've invested a bunch of money into a spot, doesn't guarantee you that you're going to kill a bunch of ducks. So we've got to be realistic whenever we're looking at this stuff. And we've got to stop with the crazy sky is falling stuff. And, and some of you guys might be correct on some of the things that you're saying. This isn't, I'm, I'm just saying, I hear it's so much hot button stuff here lately. And it's like, guys come to the farm right now. You can stand on our, at our point line and look, and it's tens and tens and thousands, tens and tens of thousands of ducks sitting in the moist soil on Swan Lake. It's un, it's unbelievable. So I just, I just wish that folks would think about that or come. If you're not killing any ducks down South, if you're not killing ducks to the West, to the East, go to an area where there's a bunch of ducks and see that there are a bunch of ducks. And why are they there? Because there's amazing habitat there. And why haven't they left? Because there's no weather. There hasn't been any weather to move them. So. Well, the, the other thing, so, so we touched on the fact that there wouldn't, you know, there was not much of a migration and migrations of new ducks, but the other thing, and think about it, Joe, is that there were so many mild days. I mean, those ducks, their metabolic needs are not very high. So, you know, we'd be going along, it'd be, you know, highs of 70 or whatever, and those ducks would, would fly real late. But then we'd get a little cold snap. You know, let's say the highs were around 40 and the lows were around 20. Well, those ducks, instead of starting to fly at 510, all of a sudden they'd start flying at 2 o'clock. And, uh, you know, we typically have a lot of those types of days for our ranges between 20 and 40 during hunting season here in Missouri. And we barely had any. But, boy, you could tell that the ducks' uh, metabolic requirements and their caloric needs and everything else went up because they became much more active during the day. And, of course, that translates to better hunts. For sure. Absolutely. I And, that, you know, that what I'm talking about, I don't, I'm not trying to argue with anyone whatsoever. I just don't think a lot of people know how many ducks are in some of these areas. And that's just not, and that's not just our area and how many ducks are North of us in some areas. Like I, it's a weird year and it's a frustrating year. That's for sure. But I just don't think that, I don't know. I don't know how to put my, I don't know how to put my hand on it, but I do know that there are more ducks in some places than what people think. And, and I also when you look like some of the counts that they did on Iris this year and some of the places around his, I think people underestimate sometimes what a, how many ducks can fit on a spot, you know, like how many ducks, if Iris place has 30 or 40,000 ducks on the South end of it, and you can't see those ducks, they're sitting tight and they're trading around in areas that you don't see them. It's hard to believe that those are there. It's like, oh, did you know that, you know, you go hunting in Sumner and you see, and you don't see that many ducks and you don't kill that many ducks. It's a day where there's not a lot of weather. There's not a lot of wind. It's hard to believe and make yourself believe that a quarter mile up the road or half a mile up the road, there's 40,000 of them sitting there. That's hard to make yourself believe. And that's easy to say, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit, but it's not though, you know, and, and, and it's not. And, and Ira is who I'm using as an example, because that's who we're talking with, but there's other people, there's a farm in the Sheraton and the Missouri river bottoms closer to where I live, you can't see it from the road. You might be able to look with binoculars and see some of what's going on. You can't see the property from the road. And then when people say, Oh, there's no ducks in this part of the world. That's, that's not right though. There's, that's not right. There's tens and tens of thousands. They just have it set up to where they provide what the ducks need. And unless there's weather, they're not going to have to traffic much, but they're there. You know, I, I, 
we we have a disappropriation probably of the number of ducks because some people are doing such a good job kicking ass on habitat and on these tough years that really really makes a difference um but but just because you take a drive through the bottoms or through your duck cutting area and don't see them doesn't mean they're not there because sometimes they are as hard as that is for people to come to grips with. And that's me included. Cause guess what? I don't have anything that there's a whole bunch of ducks sitting on. Never do I roll up to my place and there's 15 or 20,000 sitting on it. Never, not one time, but that's because yeah. I don't have, I don't have the habitat. You know I'm what on I mean? the same track. I'm on the same property as, the, as those ducks. And I find it hard to believe they're there sometimes. Right. It's just, I don't know. And, and, and in saying all this, maybe I'm not even, maybe, maybe what I'm saying, maybe the frustrations that I think people have aren't the frustrations that they have. Maybe they're not mad. Maybe they're not worried about the fact that the ducks are there or not. Maybe they're just worried about the fact that they can't kill them and that it's tougher to kill them. They think, and that they don't go where they used to and all that stuff. I, I get that. And, and everybody has a right to their own opinion. Um, that's for damn sure. And there's probably people who know a lot more about it than me that could shoot holes in what I'm saying, but but one thing I can tell you for sure is there is a lot of ducks in some areas. And when I say a lot, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of ducks. And when we have a normal year and those ducks are gone by this time of year, that's hundreds of thousands of ducks that go on to the South and everybody has an amazing season and everybody thinks it's awesome. But when they don't move, we act like that the population has been eradicated. So it, it might not be quite as black and white as what we want to make it. And, and that goes both ways. Well, and I don't want to be negative here, but it's easy for somebody. I mean, you know, a lot of people only get to hunt a couple of days a year. And it's really easy to, let's say that, you you know, you only got to go hunting three days this year, this season, and you didn't have much success. Well, it's really easy to hop on social media and, and say, there's no ducks. I didn't see any ducks when I went hunting. Uh, this sucks. The, the numbers are a lie and all that stuff but you know just because you had poor success or didn't see many couple times that you went i don't know there's a lot of people that paint with a broad brush and and speak with a bullhorn on social media and and say things based on their lack of success on the little b postage stamp of what's really going on across our country with all the birds um, based on what their experience was, and there's a lot of that going on this year. I think it, when when the, when the tide is beat them up, beat up the numbers, guys, then it's everybody wants to tell you how bad their couple hunts were. And trust me, I'd love to be. If I thought that if I thought that there was an issue with it, I'd be the I'd be saying the exact thing. What I I mean, I have no agenda whatsoever. And then uh, people always hammer me in comments on stuff. Be like, well, I guess you did fucking get them, or you don't think there's a problem because you hunt with Ira all the time. I think I only hunted with Ira two times this year. The one time, I think we got a two mallard drakes that east side hunt, and the other one we hunted the north pit whenever the hunting was tough and didn't do. Uh, I think, I think I killed one and missed one. I mean, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not just sitting on Locust Grove. And, and there'd been a lot, there were a lot of ducks in there that day. I yeah. mean, we kicked a lot of ducks out of there and 100%. they just would in and never got back up. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. But no, absolutely. But I'm just trying to say, it's not like I'm just like, oh, you guys suck out there. Too bad for you that you ain't got a spot like this. It ain't my spot. And I, like I said, I hunted with Ira two times this year. I took my lumps at my place, which is a great area. But, but the thing is, it's like, you know, I could go into it and be like, God dang, man, what a, this is some tough hunts because of these factors. Or I could be like, well, I've got this ground here and I've paid a lot of money for it. And I put a ton of time into it. I made a hundred trips up there and we planted corn and we planted, worked on our moist soil and we planted some other food and we did all this dirt work. Well, guess what? We got flooded. We didn't have a damn bit of food on the place. We put all of our eggs in one basket, trying to get the dirt work done. We didn't have good moist soil. We tried to plant a crop. It flooded out. There wasn't a damn duck that used our property. Maybe a wounded one fell on it. Maybe a wounded one fell on it. But ain't nothing came there by choice. We had some bull rush and some fucking mud. So, and and it's in about as good a spot as what you could be in. So, I could bitch just be like, yeah, shit's ridiculous. God damn these guys, motherfucker. But the truth is just I didn't have anything for the ducks. So I had to hunt traffic every day and I killed them good some days and I didn't kill anything some days, but 
it's not because if I would have had amazing moist soil and good food on my place, they'd have been fogging in there, but I didn't. So I didn't. So it's not like I'm sitting here shooting them every day just because I'm got some awesome spot and you know, well, you don't understand because you're no, I do understand. I had a lot of zeros. I was just checking my trail cam pictures coming in and out of the farm, the surveillance pictures. Yeah. I got several that I I'm driving out my, my, uh, I'm hanging my land strap full of ducks. high, hanging it on my Yamaha Rhino. The ducks are worth more than a Rhino. I'm rolling out feeling like a goddamn legend. And there's a lot of days where I go by and it's just me and my dog with the same empty straps we had when we came in. So, um, I'm, I'm looking at it objectively and there's a lot of ducks. Did I kill a lot every time? No, but that's not the duck's fault. That's my fault. I don't know. Well, and remember that my expectation for any season is that typically at the end of the year, we're going to have a third grade hunts, third good hunts and a third tough hunts. And I'd say this year it, it, we were we were better than that. Um, so you know, for us it was a it was a better than average season, and uh, and the numbers reflect it. But we but we definitely had some some tough days, and that's every year. I mean, I've never had a season where we didn't have some tough days, and I expect them, and I embrace those too. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I if I. I embrace every day. I'm glad I get to hunt. I'm not a sustenance hunter. I don't have to kill ducks to eat, and I'm thankful for that. And if I was hunting for food, I would just go to work instead because I'm a lot more productive there than I am hunting. But, um, yeah, I mean, I embrace the slow days. I would be in the amount of bracing I do on the slow day. I'd be an orthodontist best friend because I got plenty of slow days. But it's just part of it, and, you know, I'm just glad to get to go. I'm glad to get to go, and I just want to be positive about it because – Man, you know, if we lose the ability to do some of the stuff we're wanting to do, that just that would suck. It really would. So, that being said, you know, any any changes that take place or any any sentiment that changes, you know, the resource has to be in the best interest. It's not what Joe thinks. It's not what Ira thinks. It's not what you know the next guy down the street thinks. It's not what this guy or that guy wants. Hopefully, if we do make any changes to things, it's in the best interest of the resource, and hopefully, that is being seen and looked upon through a lens of broad overall honesty rather than just when it sucks when you're not killing ducks because we made rules just on when we weren't killing ducks if i made rules because i wasn't killing ducks and i make a rule that i couldn't hunt logos grove and i'd be hunting there but it just doesn't work that way just doesn't um okay ira what are you going to change next year going into your property do you have any projects planned that you can think of or speak on yeah, we've got we've got a few uh, we've got a few water control issues that we need to improve or repair. We've got one tube that the beavers have completely jammed, which isn't always a big deal. But this year it was because we had that big flood and we couldn't get the water off of a track that would have been okay. Uh, so we're going to dig that up and replace it with a, a bigger tube and a water water control structure and beaver exposures. Then we're going to add a big pipe that uh, that we need due to excess water that is coming our way that wasn't before. And then we're going to put in another water control structure in a spot that really needs one that we've just been operating with a flap gate. But I'm tired of having to dig it out five times a year, especially when it's, you know, in the fall and it's cold and it's deep. So we're just going to spend the money, dig that whole tube out of there and put in a new water control structure there. And I think that's really the main things that we're going to do on Locust Grove this year. It's not a whole lot. Well, that that being said, just regular, just regular gearing up for the season is a lot of management and things. You know, it's a it's a process that starts early and 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 runs often. And it seems like no matter how early you start it, you're always this is Locust Grove or any of us with the property or any of you guys listening with the property it seems like you're always racing the clock and on the deadline and racing mother nature, no matter how early or how good of plans you have, you know, going into the season. Especially with the WRP track, they're a lot of work. They're a lot of work. I mean, you know, if you don't have much time and you don't want to spend much money, uh, try to find a timber track somewhere or um, buy something that's tillable and let somebody farm it and throw water on it in the fall. 
It definitely, definitely all depends on the year. You know, to, you know, some years the woods are hot and the timber tracks on the traffic is like, God, I wish I just, if I just had one acre, I'm in better shape than somebody with a thousand because I am blah, blah, blah. And then some years like this year, whenever your chips are all in on the traffic and the people with good food and good moist soil are beating their ass, it's like, uh, well, every year is different because this year having the spots they wanted to be and food and rest for them was name of the game. And you could blow your lungs out because believe me, I did at traffic ducks and a lot of them wouldn't even bat a wing. And so um, they knew the program, they knew what was going on and just how it was. It was an interesting year. So, you know, I don't know what your all's observations have been. Whenever we post this, I would love to hear from some of you guys. If you agree with what I and I are saying, if you disagree, if you have anything to add, I would love to hear how your season's been, where you're at on the map and what you've seen, what you attribute that, what you've seen too. Um, and what you're, what you're excited about on your property. So I think it was cool that you guys asked all these questions to Ira. I think it was cool. The answers were cool. And the thought that went into the questions were cool. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I'd love to hear, but we'll be back at you with our guests on the next episode. And, uh, and I don't know, I appreciate the questions. I know you probably do too, Ira. It's kind of cool to hear people interested in what you're building up. I, I do appreciate the questions and the people that listen and, and engage. And I also want to say that I hope, uh, I hope we get a little bit of weather here before all the ducks start heading back North and that you guys down South have some, have some good success. Cause I know that, uh, I know it's been an unusual year and, uh, it was for us as well, but let's just remember that we're we're lucky that, that we have the ability to enjoy the great outdoors here in the USA, and uh, hopefully that no one takes that away from us anytime soon. Amen to that. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys are still hunting, beat them up. And uh, if you uh, if your season's closed, then I hate to hear it. It sucks. But if you're still hunting, work on them. You guys have a good day. Good luck. God bless. Stay safe. And thanks for listening. We'll see you.